can just tell you that this series for me, I've said it a couple times already, this is one of my favorite questions to ask on any situation and in any moment. It's been one of my favorite questions my whole life. I've raised my kids for it to be one of their favorite questions, which has been challenging. But I love asking the question, why? I love asking the question, why, so much that the whole intent of this series is to tell you why we do what we do as a church. And it's been tough for me to do that because the why we do what as a church, man, I just can't get past, you know, here, here's the things that we do and here's why we do them. But, man, I, I could give you the, here's the why we sing this way or here's the why we orchestrate our services this way or here's the why and I can give you some things. But, man, for me, just the, the why do we why do we live? The why are we alive right now? Why are we looking forward to these moments? The why of all of those things is Jesus himself. And until we can understand why he did what he did for us, and until that has changed us and moved us, and there's no other reason to ask why for anything else. And so we've been walking through this sermon series of why and just talking about some different stuff. We started off the very first week about why Jesus, and then we stopped last week about why everything. If Jesus is God and he came and gave everything for us, then Jesus has the right to ask everything of us. And so what does that look like and what does that mean? And so this week we're going to be talking about obedience. Obedience. How many of you guys like rules? You're big rules followers. How many of you guys like rules? Whatever. I know you. That's a lie. <laughs> How many of you guys like rules? Come on, let's be honest. All right, all right. There's just a couple hands, all right? All right. How many of you guys are anti-rules? You just, like, want to do your own thing, all right? All right. You're kind of, I just want to go my own way. I want to do my own thing. All right, we got a church full of rebels in here. That's what I'm talking about, all right? So, yeah, I mean, so rules, right? I mean, they're, they're there. They're reality of life. They're everywhere we go. I was laughing even on the way to church, and I, our kids, you know, we were uh, just sitting there in the car, and my son, he's an avid reader. He reads all kinds of things. I mean, the kid literally has like 12 books that he's reading right now. Like, I mean, he's reading the Chronicles of Narnia. He's reading Harry Potter. He's reading like these facts books and these science books, and then he's like, and I don't even know how he keeps it all straight. And so he's, he's reading this book right now about all these, these uh, different weird, it's like a fact book, and so right now what it's talking about is these different rules that countries and states and things have. And so he's like, you know that there's this country out there that has a law? He's like, it's a law. Like, I mean, they're saying it's illegal for you to wear jeans in that country. And I was like, for real? And then Ryland, she chimed in. She goes, yeah, did you know that for hundreds of years that it was illegal to wear pants in Paris? And she goes, I want to go to Paris so I don't have to wear, I want to, have, I want to go to Paris so I don't have to wear pants. And we were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Why does my six-year-old daughter want to be walking around with no pants? This is disturbing. I, what are we doing wrong as parents? And so I come to find out it was, it was illegal for women for hundreds of years to wear pants. And so they had to wear dresses. And so she was trying to say, I want to go to France because I can wear nothing but dresses all day long. And so, because that's my daughter. She wants to wear dresses and skirts and the day that it's gym day and she has to wear shorts to school that is one of the worst warnings for us every single week because we have to convince her once again that you cannot do gym class in a skirt and so rules I mean they're out there right there's rules that are there to protect us there's rules that are there to help us but at the same time there's a lot of things that are forced on us there's a lot of things that we can say why do I have to do that why is it that way why is it expected of me to do that? 
We can know and the, see that to be a good member of society that we're supposed to obey those rules and obey the different things that the government or organizations and, and things that have authority to say this is what you're supposed to do. We see that we're supposed to follow those and that there's good reasons to follow those. We also see that there's consequences when we don't follow those things, right? So I, I wanted to ask you tonight, when you hear the word obedience, what does that word mean to you? What are some things that obedience means? When you hear that word, what do you say? Like, what is obedience? I need feedback. You've been quiet all night. I need you to wake up a little bit. You can walk out and get some coffee. You can smack your neighbor, but wake up a little bit. What are, what are some things? What are, when you hear the word obedience, what do you think? Yeah. Doing what you're supposed to. Difficult. All right. You love? All right. That's good. What else? Sarah? Okay. All right. Yeah, BJ. <laughs> That's right, right? No questions asked. <laughs> Got to do it. That's good. What else? Come on, obedience. When you hear it, what do you think about obedience? What does it mean to you? Back there in the back. No talking back? Is that what you said? Yeah, no talking back. You don't ever do that, though, right? Andrea never does that, does she, right? <laughs> all right, what else? You right here. You think of mothers? Mothers, all right. Is that a good thing? <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not going to put you in the hot spot like that. <laughs> Come on, somebody else. Obedience. When you hear obedience, what do you think? Obey the law. That's good, David. That's good. Obey the law. Right? We think of rules. We think of obligation. You guys ever think of obligation? Like, I've got to do that whether I want to or not, kind of like BJ was talking about, right? How many of you think about approval? How many of you think about approval when it comes to rules and it comes to obedience, right? I had Braden this week. Uh, it was report cards. I don't know if anybody else, you know, you get report cards or whatever else, but it was report cards this week for our kids in elementary school. Braden got all A's on his report card. That kid was so pumped. He's been working super hard and, like, doing everything he can to, like, you know, do his homework. And he's been working hard at school and doing all this different stuff. And, you know, we, we've been staying on the teachers, you know, just every year. The teachers are like, man, he could do so much more than he does. And we're like, yeah, we know. And he's been working super hard. And so he got his A's. And he's just like, I did everything I was supposed to, Dad. I, I've, I've done really well this year. I've been working hard on some stuff. And so he's like, I got all A's. And so it was a sense of, like, hey. I've been obedient. I've been good. I've done the stuff. And so he got the sense of approval, right? He got approval from the things that were put on, uh, on top of him. And so with that, like he expected from us this reward. Have you ever noticed that, how it happens, right? You're like, I followed the rules. I did everything supposed to. And we got the sense, we had this feeling like, so we just like, hey, I did everything the way I was supposed to. I, I followed every single rule. And then we just stop and stare, right? Have you ever noticed that with your kids? If you're a parent, you know, or have you ever seen kids, you know, they're just like, I did everything I was supposed to. I did, I cleaned my room perfectly. Mom, I put everything back. My shoes are facing the same way, you know, like all this different stuff. And they just stop. I did good, right? I did good, right? And then once you're like, you did awesome, they're like, what do I get? <laughs> what do I get? 
man, when it comes to obedience, that's kind of the way we look at things. So we look at it out there and we say, man, I, I think of obligation. I think of I, the law. I think of I've got to do it whether I want to or not. I think of all of these different things. And so that's what we think of obedience. Let me ask you a different question, all right? Let me ask you this question. In your mind, when we hear the words, obey Christ, what does that mean to you? What are some things you think of when you hear obey Christ? Do what he asks. All right? Tara. Huh? Still difficult. She's sticking with that answer. It's good. What else? Obey Christ. Submission. What else? Anybody else? Anything? Yeah, Daniel. Huh? That you love him? That's good. Anybody else? Anybody else? When you hear the words obey Christ, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I, I love that we've got a lot of church answers, right? We've got a lot of good church answers on both of these things. They've got a little good, like, you know, good citizen answers, you know? How many of you, when you just hear the words, like, obey the law, you kind of just say, why? Have you ever felt like that, right? When you're sitting there and you're driving down 64 and there's not a single person on the road, finally, one time, for whatever reason, the road's all yours, and you're sitting there and you see the speed limit sign say 60, do you ever just go, why? You're like, I go 35 on this all the time. I want to do 80 today, right? And I should be able to, right? I mean, when you hear the words, obey Christ, do you ever say, why? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever just said, why? Have you ever thought about that? Why should I follow Christ? Why should I obey him? I'm getting a lot of blank stares. You're like, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to answer that yes or not. You are, right? Because, I mean, the truth of the matter is you've, you've asked that question. Why do I obey him? Why, why should I obey him? What does that mean, and what does that look like? And so tonight, what I want us to look at for a little bit is, is to kind of frame what this word obedience means. See, as we've been going through, we've been in John chapter 4, and you can go ahead and turn there tonight. We're going to read a little bit more out of John chapter 4. This is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite stories in the Bible. I love John chapter 4. There's, there's these, these little things that God's just used to rock my world for years now. And I love John chapter 4. I, I, I love the whole beginning of John because as he's going through and he's just talking about the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And he, he's talking about this different stuff here in John chapter 4. We see Jesus talking to this woman at the well. And, 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 and he's not supposed to be talking to her. Jesus is breaking the rules, right? And we, and we see Jesus standing there in the midst of this moment doing this incredible like powerful life-changing moment for this lady and and it ends up being this powerful life-changing moment for everybody that's involved and and it it begins to initiate what God has come to do and it's just, it's this awesome moment we see just moments before we see Jesus talking to Nicodemus and and in both situations we see Jesus saying hey listen I want you to open your eyes to the reality of what God's doing right now and in John chapter 4, we, we find as he's talking to this woman that Jesus is revealing himself as God. And he's saying, listen, why me? Why would you follow me? Why would you listen to me? And it's because God has sent him on a mission, and he's focused, and he's determined to do what God's called him to do. 
that Jesus doesn't back down from what God's called him to do, that Jesus never questions it, Jesus never wonders about it. Jesus does what God has called him to do. And so we follow Jesus, we believe in Jesus, we hope in Jesus because Jesus was perfect. Jesus said, this is why God has sent me and I'm not gonna question it. And so Jesus gave us everything and he came and lived his life for us. And so he says, hey, you know what? If you wanna follow me, if you want to live this life, I want everything from you, but I don't want everything just from you. I want to give you everything that God wants you to have and everything that God wants you to know, and I'm making that possible right now. And so if Jesus has come for us to know God and to be in relationship with him, and if Jesus is our hope, and if Jesus is our reality, and he's asking everything of us, then the way that we get that, the way that we experience that is through obedience. And the church, for the longest time, has been defining and saying, here's what obedience is. And have you ever noticed the church does a really good job at making things super complicated? Right? Have you ever noticed that we do a really good job at making things super complicated when it comes to obeying? When it comes to saying, this is what God's asked me to do, and this is what God wants me to do, we can make it pretty stinking complicated. And I love this story because it shows what Jesus sees as obedience, and it shows how Jesus lived his life obediently. And so tonight, we're going to be in John chapter 4. We are going to read verse 27 through 30. So at this moment, Jesus has been talking to this woman, and they're standing there and having this conversation, and She's talking to him and trying to figure out what his motives are, what his intentions are. And he's trying to show her and to reveal to her that there's something bigger going on than just some guy asking for a drink of water. So he's talking to her about, he's answering these questions that, he's had, that she has. And, and, and he's pushing her to this place of recognizing who he is. And in verse 26, he says, Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. I'm the one that you're looking for. I'm the one that you were hoping for. I am the one that you need. And in verse 27, just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or, why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. So a lot of the things that when we talk about and we think about when we hear the word obedience and a lot of the things that we said tonight when it's obedience, a lot of things that were in your mind that you didn't want to speak out loud in church when you think of obedience, all of those things, those things complicate the truth and the reality of what obedience is. Obedience is one simple word. You ready for this? Obedience is one simple word. Obedience in Christ. Obedience to what God's called us to do. Obedience in living the life that God wants us to live through Christ and in Christ. Obedience is faith. Obedience is faith. That's what obedience is. Here it is in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Verse 16 through 17. I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. What is this good news that makes us right in his sight? That this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith 
that a righteous person has life. It's through faith that a righteous person has life. Man, one of the things that I love about this story is, is that it shows in this story like what, what, what happens in a person's life when they discover Jesus for the first time. Maybe you, maybe you're still looking and you're still exploring and wondering, like, who is this Jesus? And you're still asking that question of why Jesus and why follow him. I, I, I hope that tonight maybe some questions are answered for you. I, ho I hope tonight that maybe your curiosity sparked a little bit more and you're willing to pursue and to look into Jesus a little bit more. Maybe, maybe you're here tonight and you're just saying, man, you know what? Like, I, I've bought into the Jesus thing and, and I believe in him as Savior. You know, but, I, man, this whole thing of doing what he's asked me to and to follow him and, and to walk it out, it gets a little bit hard sometimes and I really just don't understand all that I'm supposed to do. And it seems overwhelming at times. It seems a little bit impossible. Have you ever been there before? Like, I just don't know if I can do this today. And Jesus in this story, he's just like, listen, obedience is faith. And so here's three questions that we're going to have tonight. It's going to help us to see what he means by this. So obedience, if it is about faith, then obedience is asking these three questions, and we're going to look at this a little bit backwards, all right? Because why not? So in John chapter 4, verse 29, we're going to look at these three different verses, and we're going to look at some things that God has for us tonight. We're going to redefine the word obedience. John chapter 4, verse 29. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. I, I love this part of the story because this woman, when she encounters Jesus, and maybe tonight if you're here and Jesus has changed your life, what happens in your life and what happened in my life, the moment that I truly knew who Jesus was and I said, God, I just want you to be my Lord and I surrender all to you. I, I remember that moment in a small little Backwoods Church in, in Windsor, Virginia on January 17th. You know, I remember that moment and I'm standing there and I'm just like, oh, and everything changed in me. Everything in a moment, I was just like, God, I just want to live my life for you. I want to do anything that I can. And I trusted him, and I believed in him, and I was excited, and I was just looking at this, this reality that was in front of me, and I was just like, God, I, I just want to do whatever you want. God, I want to do whatever you want. I remember the change that happened. Now, growing up, I, I don't know about you, but I grew up, you know, a Pentecostal kid in the 90s, which means I've been to the altar about 16,000 times, Right? I had said the sinner's prayer as many times as you can possibly say it. I've been, get every altar call that you possibly can be. I've gone to, re I've responded to things that I shouldn't have even responded to because I didn't even know what they were talking about, but that's just what I was doing. But in that moment, I remember it was different because I walked to that altar and I felt God change my heart. And he changed my heart because I remember him just asking me this and me saying, whatever you want. I remember him asking, just saying, what are you willing to do? What are you willing to give me? And I said, God, whatever you want. I remember the freedom and the willingness to surrender to him. I remember that moment of just saying, I want to live differently for you. And here is this moment where this woman, she's coming up to Jesus, and she's a Samaritan. She's not welcomed to be in the presence of a man usually. She's not definitely welcome to be in the presence of a Jew, and, and, and all of this stuff that's even more of a reality in her life because of her decisions and all of the things that she's done, it's, it's a crazy moment. 
And she sees this guy sitting in a well, and she doesn't know what she's getting ready to get into, and she goes to the well anyways, and as she's walking up to the well, she begins to talk to him, and he begins to reveal who he is, and, and her eyes begin to be open, and, and she's sitting there, and she's just like, who is this guy? And, and he looks at her, and he's just saying, hey, listen, what do you, what do you want? You know, what do you want? And she begins to talk to him, and she's saying, you know, like, I, I, you know, like I, man, I, I've got a lot of issues, and I've got a lot of stuff going on. And Jesus, as you can see different ways through the stories, like, what do you want? Do you want acceptance? What do you want? Do you want approval? What do you want? Do you want forgiveness? What do you want? What do you, you, you want answers? What do you want? What do you want? He's asking her this question. And in this moment, you see that she realizes it's not about all of this stuff. It's not about, oh, man, I've got a jacked up past and a, a messed up history. And I just need somebody to look at me and say, it's okay. I love you anyways. Because she's accepted in that moment. She sees that. She's, she's loved. She's approved of in that moment. Jesus has given her answers to these big questions of her, of her time. And she's getting answers. And she's getting all of this different stuff. But that doesn't stop her need that doesn't fulfill her in that moment. And that is not what Jesus is telling her in this moment that she needs. She doesn't need approval. She doesn't need all of this stuff. What she needs is what he has to give her, which is himself. And what is promised through him, which is the Holy Spirit to come. And she realizes the only thing that she could want and the only thing that she could need is Jesus himself. And when she realizes that, and when her mind gets exposed to that, she runs and she tells everybody, Guess who I met? Guess who I saw? He's told me everything I ever did. He's broadcasting my news all over Facebook. He's, he's made it aware, right, of who I am and everything that I've ever done. Man, you've got to come and see this guy. I mean, can you imagine if you met somebody and they said, here's everything that you've ever done in your life. Terrence, here's all of your issues. I'm going to lay it out on the table right now. I mean, you wouldn't run around and be like, you got to come meet this guy, right? You'd be like, run from this guy. <laughs> But she realized what she needed in that moment was not answers. What she needed in that moment was not something that she had dreamed or longed for in her heart as far as somebody just saying, I love you and I see you. I know you've been hurt. I know you've been rejected. I know you've been looked down upon. I know all of these things are true. I know you've made mistakes. I know you've got a lot of stuff going on in your life. Those things he gave her in that moment, but he kept pushing her because she needed to see and you and I need to see that what we need is not just some form of acceptance. What we need is not just a pat on the back. What we need is not just a provision or a handout. Here you go. I'm going to take care of this for you. What you and I need is exactly what she needed in this moment, which was Jesus himself. So obedience, the question that's being asked is, if you obediently are going to follow Jesus, if you are going to do what he has called you to do, then you have to ask yourself this is, what is it that you want? What do you want from life? Right now, in your place, you're as happy as you can be, and things are going great for you. What do you want? What do you want? Because there's still something you're looking for. There's still something you're hoping for. There's still something. It's in our nature. We can't just be sitting there just going, I got everything I need, right? I mean, you go through, and you, get, you have a nice house, and you got all this different stuff, right? You want a nice vacation house. Right? There's always a want. There's always something out there. Not necessarily I'm saying those are bad things. I'm just saying we always want. If you're sitting here tonight and things are tough for you, things are difficult for you, you're sitting here tonight discouraged and depressed, you're broken, whatever your situation is, what is it 
that you want? What is it that you think is going to fix your situation? We were even talking about this this morning in the men's thing. Zach had no clue. He led the men's thing this morning. Had no clue what I was talking about. And this is exactly what we were talking about. Is that we get to this place, whether it's worry, whether it's fear, whether it's discouragement or it's depression. There's something that we all attach to and say, if this would just be fixed, then everything would be okay. So what is it that we want? And, and this is such an important question because we, we attach this to our faith. See, we look to God as a God who's supposed to provide that want. And we say, God, if you would just do this for me, then everything would be okay. And God is sitting there and he, sometimes he's saying, I'm not going to do that for you because it's not what I want for you. Or maybe sometimes God's saying, I want you in that situation right now because there's something I want to do in you through that situation, so I'm not going to stop that situation. What is it that you want? And as a follower of Christ, we have to get to a place where this woman was at, where she finds herself just sitting there saying, there's nothing else that I want other than him. You've got to come and see this guy. You've got to come and see. He's everything we've hoped for. He's everything that we've dreamt about. Because I'm just telling you, like in this moment, so she's a Samaritan, right? We've already talked about this a little bit, that Jews weren't supposed to talk to Samaritans. And Samaritans, see, because here's the deal, is that Samaritans, they, 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 they started doing some different stuff, and they started taking on some practices. They kind of made some bad choices and some different things and, and whatever else. But, but they, 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 they understood God's law. They believed the same scriptures that the Jews believed. But but they, they kind of did things the wrong ways. So the Jews thought they were better, and they were kind of looking down on them. And so that, that was the whole issue right there. A lot of racism, a lot of, a lot of just pride, and a lot of different stuff that's going on. And so Jesus steps into this moment, and he's talking to this woman. But it's not just this woman. Like, it's this whole village, right? Because the Samaritans, they're looking for this Messiah to come back. And the Jews are looking for this Messiah to come back. You know what the Jews' Messiah looked like? The Jews' Messiah looked like a conquering king who came in and just wiped everybody out that disagreed with the Jews. You know who that included? Samaritans, right? So they're just like, when this woman's like, hey, which mountain are we supposed to, she's like, are you coming to kill us all? Like, I mean, that's the question she's asking, right? Like, are you coming to wipe us all out? Because that's kind of what they're wanting, and you're with a bunch of them. I'm a little bit nervous right now. She runs off in this moment. She's excited because she's like, listen, this guy is saying he's the Messiah, and he's, he's shown me everything. He's talked about who I am. He sees my deepest needs. He sees my deepest wants, and I'm seeing, and I believe that he is my satisfaction in this moment. And she runs, and like, you got to come and see this guy because he wants for us more than what we could ever want for ourselves. you got to come and see this guy. There's something different about him. There's something real about him. You've got to come and experience who he is. See, for each and every one of us, we've got to get to a place as a follower of Christ. If you say, Jesus is my Lord, if you say, I believe in Jesus, if you say, I wear the Team Jesus t-shirt, like if that's you, right? You've got to get to a place, and I've got to get to a place where our want is only Jesus. So here, here what do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? Let's get a little bit practical and give a real life experience. How many of you guys like running? How many of you like hate running? How many of you secretly judge people as they're running? Okay, all right. So we got different reasons and motivations as to why we run. I know Kimberly, she loves running. 
Terrence hates running, and she makes Terrence do it, right? And it's fun watching him post different things on there. I really want to find out when they're running one day, and I just want to, like, take pictures secretly as they're doing that, because that would just be awesome. Just thought about that. But anyways, so, I mean, so running, right? So there's different reasons and different motivations as to why we run. Maybe your motivation is, or maybe you know people who their motivation is to say, hey, you know what, I'm not getting any younger. I'm not getting any healthier. And I want to live a longer life. I want to get to a place where, you know what, I can see my kids' kids grow up. Maybe your motivation for running is, is, you know, I want to get a little bit healthier. I want to get a little bit leaner. I kind of enjoy good food, so I eat a lot, but I'm getting a little bit chubbier, and I don't want to get chubbier, because if I get chubbier, my wife's not going to sleep with me as much, so I'm going to go running as much as I can. Or what if, what if there's another person, Kimberly Magi. She goes running just because she loves running. I, I mean, there's people that I know, they're just like, they love running because they love the wind just coming against their face. They love running because they love the way that their lungs feel. Like, I'm like that fire feeling where you feel like you're getting ready to die. You like that? Yeah, it makes me feel alive. It makes me feel like I'm dying. What is wrong with you? See, in, in, in life, we can get to the same place where we got motivations. I, I, I run because I want to live a longer life. There's a sense of fear that's present. If I don't do, then I'm going to miss out on Maybe there's a thing, you know, I, I, you know, I, I run because I want to get healthier or, or because I want to be a little bit slender because I want to get stuff. I want to be able to eat what I want or I want to do all this different stuff. And so your motivation is not necessarily fear, but your motivation is, hey, I, I want to get this stuff. I want this reward. I want these things. But then there's other people that the act of running is the reward itself. And oftentimes in our life, especially as followers of Christ, we go through life and we're looking for things and we're looking for God to give us those things and we're wanting to follow God and we're willing to do what God asks of us to, maybe begrudgingly at times or maybe willingly at times because we want God to help us or we want God to prevent something from happening or we want God to provide something for us. So God, I'm willing to do that because I need this. God, I'm willing to do that because I got a little bit convicted with the pastor tonight and I saw a little bit of a video and you know what, I, I need to do that. And so we kind of walk through a little bit and say, okay, I'm willing to do that because you know what, I want to get something in return. How often do we walk through life where we say, you know what, tonight I want to worship with abandonment. I want to lift my hands tonight. I want to sing, not because I feel like it's going to convince God of anything but just because I just want to be in his presence. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm sitting here and, and God's talking to me at this gas station and I feel like I'm supposed to pay for that person's gas and I'm not gonna do it because I feel like that's gonna make God smile and I might get something later on today and somebody's gonna pay for my gas and give me a new car, but I, I wanna do it because I just love God. Like he's my reward. Like, here's the deal. When it comes to obedience, we make things complicated because we get into this place of where we say, if I do this, then God's going to do this for me. Why can't it just be as simple as, if I do this, it's just going to bring me closer to him, and that's all I want. I, and when you read scripture, 
When you read scripture and he tells us things that he's supposed to do, you never see Jesus saying, do this. I'm going to force you to do this. He never forces obedience on us. He sets his expectations high of what he wants us to do, but he makes it and allows it to be our choice to choose it. Because in our choosing him as our everything, in our willingness to follow him in our everything, we get more than we could ever provide for ourselves. More than we could ever want for ourselves. We get everything because he is everything. The reason that I try to be a good husband and I try to love my wife the way that Scripture tells me to love my wife. Scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, it's tough. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. Like, he died for the church. Like that's a high ask, right? That's a, that's a big command right there. That's a big like obey me, love your wife as I love the church. Like dude, you went through a lot. Right? I don't love my wife to the degree that I love her, and I don't serve her to the way that I do, and I don't do those things so that I can say, God said, oh, okay, you've been doing some stuff, you've been walking the line, you've been doing things, you've been obeying the rules, so I'm going to give you a good marriage. You know why I love my wife to the degree that I love my wife? Because I love God. I love him so much. And my actions in loving my wife is not to get from him or to earn from him or to receive from him or to get some reward. I love my wife to the degree that I love my wife because I love him. And in loving him through loving my wife, he reveals himself to me that much more. You know why I pray and, and I struggle. I was just telling dad this afternoon, I've been having a hard time with my prayer life over the past month. I know that's not something a pastor's supposed to admit, but I've been struggling with it. I've been having some difficulties with just wanting to be in this place. And what it is is I'm making it more complicated than it should be. I'm trying to get something from prayer. I'm sitting there walking around and I'm, God, I want you to fix this. And God, I need you to do this. And God, I need you to change this person. And God, I need you to do something with this situation. And God, I need this. And God, I want that. And I'm going through and it's just like, I'm wanting everything else other than God himself. I've got to get to this place where I say, God, I want nothing more than you. He calls us to pray, not so that we can earn his favor, but he calls us to pray because he wants our heart to be, I just don't want to be anywhere else other than your lap. God, I just want to sit in my father's lap, and I just want to enjoy your presence. God, I want to feel you here with me. I just want to rest in your goodness, and I want to rest in who you are. I obey not because I'm going to get or receive from God. I obey because I love him, and I love him because he loves me. That's obedience. What do I want? What is my greatest want in the world? My biggest job, my biggest task in this world is not to be the best preacher. It's not to grow the church. It's not to be the best dad or the best husband. It's not to raise the most money in the offerings. It's not to win the most people to Jesus. The biggest job that I have in this world is to constantly and daily wake up and say that Jesus is the only thing that I want and he's the only thing that I need because he's the only thing that can provide and he's the only thing that can give me everything that I need. My biggest job every single day is to wake up and say, God, what do I want? I want you. I want you. I don't want this problem fixed. 
I don't want this situation resolved. I don't want this thing gone. I want you. And if you decide to resolve it, awesome. If you decide to make it worse, I don't care. I want you. Because I know that no matter what, if I, want, if I want you and if I look to only you and I hope only in you, that no matter what my situations are, no matter what my circumstances are, that he is going to do more in me in those things and through those things that I could ever do for myself. Man, I want him. That's got to be my only thing that I want. Second question. Verse 28. Let's look at this. Verse 28. I'm losing my voice up here. You guys doing all right? Verse 28. I love this. The woman left her water jar beside the well. The woman left her water jar beside the well. What did she come to the well to do? It was the hottest point of the day. She came to get water at the hottest point of the day because she didn't want to come in contact with people. She didn't want to have people talking to her, judging her, looking at her. She needed water to provide for herself for that day. She encounters Jesus, and the thing that she came for means nothing to her because she found everything that she needed in Jesus. She left her water gel by the well. The question that this presents to you and I is if obedience is faith, then what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to give up? What are you holding on to right now? If your biggest one is supposed to be Jesus, what is the biggest thing that you're holding on to right now that's keeping you from having him? What do you want? What are you willing to give up? And here's the thing, man, this is the crazy thing is, is this is where the rules begin to come in. This is where the things begin to happen, where we kind of triff ourselves up, right? Okay, well, I, I want God, and so I, I got to give up this, and I got to give up that, and, and I got to kind of create these things, and these patterns, and these systems, and I got to pray at a certain time, and, and I got to do all of that stuff, and we got to do all of those different things, and we start creating these rules for ourselves. Isn't it amazing how we want rules, but we hate rules? We live in this crazy life where things just get so complicated. I love the reality of this story. It's the simplicity of what's taking place. Is that when you come in contact with God, the thing he's asking of you is not to give up this or to give up that and to do this little dance so that God can say, ooh, look at my child dance. Like he wants you to come in and say, I fully give you everything. When we find ourselves in a situation and we find ourselves in a place where we're not quite experiencing God to the degree that we want to, where we feel like things are just kind of just, just not where they should be. And, and when we hear, you know, Pastor Jamie talks about freedom in Christ. He talks about how easy it is to, to walk in God. And I hear Pastor Fred talk about all these different things about, you know, walking and, walking and following Christ and walking in these pathways and that God's there and, you know, that no matter the situation, all things can be good, you know. And we hear all this different stuff and you're like, I don't experience that. The reason that most of us find ourselves in a place where we're struggling in that complete freedom is because we never come to a place of complete surrender to Christ. He doesn't want you just to give up some menial thing. 
And Dad and I were just talking this morning. We are just joking around, you know. I think I need to cut back on how much I'm on Facebook, you know, a little bit. Maybe you do, right? So you're just like, you know what, since I need to cut back on Facebook, you know what, I'm, I'm going to limit myself to how much I'm on my phone. Hey, maybe you do. Maybe God's saying, I want your whole stinking phone. Maybe God's saying, I want anything and everything. I don't want you to have any type of technology because I want you to remove to some remote village out in some country where there's not even electricity for you to use those things. I want everything from you. What are you willing to give up? So we're willing to give up this little thing. Here's this little thing, God. I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to put my toe in the water. And he says, no, I want everything. And I want everything because I gave everything. And if we look at it, we say, man, you are everything. You are my biggest want. You're my biggest need. I'm just telling you, you find freedom. The thing that you thought was your solution, the thing you thought was providing for your need, it's no longer even an issue in your life anymore. You're willing just to walk away from it. You're able to, and you can truly find freedom when you come to him and you say, God, I'm ready. I want to give you everything. Whatever you ask of me, I'm willing to give it up. Whatever you want for me, I'm willing. Here it is. Here's the last question. Verse 27, why is this so hard for us? Just then, the disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her, or why are you talking to her? <laughs> the question that this poses to us and that we're looking at is, are you willing to trust him no matter what? Are you willing to trust him no matter what? Why is it so hard for us to fully surrender to Christ? Why is it so hard for us to step into these moments and we say, okay, I'm willing to give you this, but I can't give you all of this? It's because it's hard for us to trust him. It's hard for us to say, I'm willing. And why? Because Jesus is so countercultural. Jesus is so radical. He's so life-altering. He doesn't just say, I want you to change your attitude. He says, I want you to change everything about you. I want everything to be different. I don't want to just incrementally change you. I want to radically change you. I don't want you just to incrementally do some things differently. I want you to do everything differently. I don't want you just to kind of find a little bit of happiness in this or that. I want you to find happiness only in me and a willingness to do anything I ask you to do. Jesus is radical. He changes things. He challenges things. He's messing with his disciples in this moment because they walk up and they're Jews and they're still wrestling. Who is this guy and what he's doing? And I've seen him just do some crazy things. And I, I kind of believe in this guy, but I've always had this expectation of this is what he was going to do and this is what it's going to look like. And I just gave up everything. I just gave up my business. I just gave up my friends. I just gave up my, my life, my home, my family. I just gave up everything. And I'm following this guy, and he's talking to somebody that we're not supposed to be talking to. He messes with us. He challenges us. Are you willing to trust him in those moments where you feel a little bit uncomfortable? Are you willing to trust him in those moments where you feel like God's challenging you to do something that's beyond you? Are you willing to trust him and say, I can do this thing and I'm willing to do it because I want nothing else but you? Can you trust him in those moments? Can you trust that he's your everything? Can you trust that he's wanting to care for you? Can you trust that he's wanting to provide for you? 
I'm going to ask this question for you, right? This is a good question. So you ask yourself, are you willing to trust him no matter what? Are you willing to love others when it makes you vulnerable and possibly could cost you everything? Are you willing to say yes to Jesus when everyone is going to ridicule you for doing it? Are you willing to stand up for those that society and the world is saying don't stand up for them? Are you willing to say, God, whatever you want me to do, whatever it is, whenever it is, whatever it takes, I'm willing because I don't want anything else but you. Like, are you in that place? Am I in that place? Let's tell you, I've been wrestling with it. I've been having some issues when it comes to just resting in God, and I've had some issues connecting with Him because I found myself in a place wanting something other than Him. And it's so easy for us to fall into that trap. But it's even easier for us to get into this place and say, no, everything that I need and everything I could want is already given to me in Jesus Christ. He's all that I want, and He's all that I need. I want him and I want nothing else and I'm willing to give up anything because I trust him no matter what. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. Now look at the world right now. In the world right now, it, it, it's chaos. Like I don't know if, if you're like, like me or not. Like I have this wrestling every single day. I put my thumb over my Facebook button and I'm just like, guys, I don't want to. You know, I, I'm a news junkie. I love reading the news. I read all kinds of different news things, and I, I've really been wrestling with going and reading the news. There's just so much stuff that's going on. And the thing that makes me most anxious about going and looking at that stuff is the fighting and the bickering in the church. That we're saying, here's what I want. And here's what I'm going to stand for. Instead of saying, what does God want and what is he asking of us? I'm scared. But at the same time, I have no reason to be scared. I get scared when I think about what we're capable of. And I see the stinking rabbit trails that we can run down. And I see the destructive lives that we can live when we're saying, I want what I want. And I want what I feel like is right, right for me. And I want my protection. And I want this. And I want my provision. And I want my kids to have this. And I want, and I want, and I want, and I want. And it's idolatry. We're putting ourselves in the place of God. The opposite of obedience, disobedience. If obedience is faith, do you know what disobedience is? Fear. That's what disobedience is. It's fear. And we cannot allow, as followers of Christ, fear to rise up and conquer everything in our lives and be what directs and determines our actions and our steps. What should determine and drive and call us and push us to do everything that we do is faith. Faith that he will do what he said he will do. Faith that he has done what he said he has done. 
Faith that he is there with us. Faith that he will protect us. Faith that he will care for us. Faith that he will love us. Faith that no matter what, even if it costs me my life, that I will be with him for all of eternity. That is what obedience is. No matter what, whatever you ask, I'm willing. And I'm not going to let anything distract me and I'm not going to let anything discourage me. I need to shut up at some point because I know you're getting tired of listening. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Worship team, you go ahead and come up at this point. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. You can go on your own time. I'm not going to take the time to read all of this, but go on your own time and read the rest. Verses 16 through 30 something. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. What does it look like to have obedience, which is faith in Christ? I want only Jesus, and I want only what he wants for me. I'm willing to give up anything he asked me to do. I'm willing to go wherever he wants me to go. I'm willing to stand up and say, these are the things he asked of me, and I'm willing to do it because I trust in him. If that's where you find yourself, if that's where you want to find yourself, it's not about saying, okay, I, 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 I got to come up with this devotion plan tomorrow, and I got to sit down, and I got to start changing all this different stuff, and I got to start fixing all these different things. You got to trust that he can fix you, and you got to trust that he knows who you are. He sees where you are, and he sees everything about you. And he says, you the one that I want. Right where you are, just like you are. I want you. And if you can say the same thing, God, I want you. I want nothing else. I want you. And I can trust you. That as you begin to step out and do the things that he asks you to do, that he's going to begin to fix things in you. I need to get my prayer life right. Just do what he leads you to do. Let the Holy Spirit guide you in your life. Your prayer life's going to get worked out. i got to fix my finances. Just let the Holy Spirit guide you. Do what he puts in front of you. Trust him. Say, God, I don't want anything else. He's going to begin to put things in place and people in your life where your finances are going to get worked out. God, i, I, I got to fix this thing in my marriage. i got to fix this. Just do what he's given you to do and just trust him and let the Holy Spirit lead you. And he's going to begin to fix the things in your marriage. Just trust that he will fix your marriage. Trust that he will take care of these things. Let the Holy Spirit guide you in your life. I want to close with this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 32, verse 33. The message translation. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. To not be so preoccupied with getting. So you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way He works fuss over things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. God, I only want you. God, I only want you. God, I trust you. 
Whatever you ask of me, I'm willing to give it up. God, I, I just want to do it. They're like, I don't, Pastor Jamie, I, I want to obey that way. I, I want to do those things. What am I supposed to do? You're supposed to trust him. That's it. That's it. But what am I supposed to give up? Whatever he tells you to give up. Well, I feel like he's only telling me to give up right now. It's just like this little bit of TV. Then give it up. If you feel like he's asking you to, then give it up. Pastor Jamie, I feel like he's asking me to give up a whole lot more. Then give it up. Pastor Jamie, I feel like he's asking a lot of me and I can't do it. Do it. Give it up. There's nothing you can hold on to that is greater and more wonderful and more just majestic and powerful than Jesus Christ himself. Give it up. I'm willing. I only want you. I want you and nothing but you. I want to hope in nothing but you. I want to rest in nothing but you. Do it. Chase after him. Stop expecting of others to do only what God can do for you. Stop asking yourself to do only what Jesus Christ has already done for you. Stop. Stop the rat race. Stop challenging yourself. Stop doing all of these crazy things to earn something. You have nothing to earn. You don't have to do anything to find God's approval. He's already approved of you through Jesus Christ. Stop. And do whatever he asks of you. Let go of everything that he can ask of you. And if you think it's subtle things and if you think it's mild things, I know this is like the fourth close that I have, and I'm sorry. Oswald Chambers says this. He says, God is responsible for our lives. And the one great keynote, the one great current theme, the one great reality of everyone who has ever found themselves believing and trusting that God is in control of their lives and believing and trusting that God is responsible for them. The one keynote, the one regularity, the one reality that is in present in every single person's life is reckless reliance upon Him. What are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to make happen in this moment? Whatever you have to do, wherever you have to go, just to stop and say, I don't want anything else other than Jesus. What's that thing that you're holding on to other than Him? Let it go. Let it go. God, I pray right now. God, I pray, Lord, that you're speaking to us in this room right now. And that there's things that you're showing us right now that we're holding on to. There's things that we're clinging to for identity, for acceptance. God, we're holding on to things just because it's the only thing that makes sense to us. Things that we know that are causing us harm. God, we're holding on to bitterness and we're holding on to anger and we're holding on to rage just because it's the only thing that feels safe to us. God, we're clinging to money and we're clinging to finances and we're clinging to the resources that we can provide for ourselves because it's the only thing that makes sense. God, help us to let go of those things and see who's standing in front of us. And God, help us to say, you're all that I want. And I'm willing to let go of everything because there's nothing greater than you. There's nothing more wonderful than you. There's nothing else I could hope in. There's nothing else I could want. God, I want only you.
God, I trust only in you. Whatever you ask of me, I'm willing. Because God, I see and I trust and I believe that you are a good God and that you are a faithful God. Church, stand to your feet right now and just sing with me. Let's lift our voice and lift our, our hearts to God in this moment. Through this song, let's join in and say, God, you're all I want. You're everything that I need.